Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm so excited about this particular series because it's kind of like a signature theme of mine. I was looking back over my notes over the years. I found one of my very first sermons I ever mentioned, uh, preached from, and they're on paper. And those paper was all yellowed. And on, those paper, on, those, uh, on that paper, sorry, were words about this very same topic that I'm sharing from today. And I trust it will bless you and do you well today. And it's something I've simply uh, called Solution. Because it's a series about us finding solutions for our soul. Everyone say soul. soul. Excellent. If you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is a letter written by Paul to the church to help address and bless this local church, just as I hope it does today in this particular local church. It says in verse 23, reading from the message, it says, May God Himself The God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit from the coming of our Master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. Isn't that awesome? This God that Paul is talking about is a triune God. He is a God in three parts. He is God the Father. He is God the Son. He is God the Holy Spirit. And as we sing in the song, the creed, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our Father, three in one. Is there anyone this morning who believes in what I've just declared today? That our God is a triune God. He is three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And just as He is three in one, so we, His creation, are a three-part being. We are three in one. The Bible says that we are body, soul, and spirit. In other words, let me put it this way. We are a spirit that owns a soul that lives in a body. We are a spirit that owns a soul that lives in a body. In a body. And to live the God life that He intended us to live, we have to address all three areas of our lives. Even the sporting codes today recognize this. Back in the day, they just concentrated on the physical. But more recently, they've realized that we are not just physical beings. And so teams now have psychiatrists and doctors. They even have chaplains in order to make sure their athletes are operating at peak performance, making sure that every part of their being is being addressed so that they can function well in every particular part of life. Amen? See, God wants every area of our life to prosper. He is holy and whole. And He wants us to be holy and whole. Our goal should be to become more and more like Christ so that we might become more holy and whole. Everyone say holy. holy. Say whole. That's the goal, that we might become more like Him. He is a God that is holy and whole, and He wants us to be holy and whole. 
That word whole is a little Greek word called sozo. Everyone say sozo. I like that because it's easy to say. Many of the Greek words are hard to say, but this is one that we can all say real easy. Sozo. It's a Greek word that means whole, and it means this, to save, to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, to do you well. In other words, God wants to save a lost spirit. He wants to deliver a tormented soul, and He wants to heal a hurting body. And over the next few weeks, we want to look at the area in particular of our soul and help us to find solutions to a fit, healthy, strong soul. I just want to say this, that more often than not, we confuse our spirit with our soul. Our bodies are a little bit easier to define. We don't usually confuse our body, but we tend to confuse the difference between our soul and our spirit. And that's really important that we differentiate between the two. Because if we are going to have the victorious Christian life that Jesus promises, we need to make sure that we are being led by the right part of our being. Because victory depends upon the part that we are being led from. And so this morning, I just want to quickly address the area of our spirit and let us know in no uncertain terms what our spirit is. You see, our spirit is the real you. Turn to the person next to you and say, the real you. It's the real you. The Bible refers to your spirit in numerous ways, such as the spirit man or the inner man, or in some cases, the hidden man of the heart. All these are terms used to describe the real you, your spirit. It's the primary seat of our entire being. We were created spirit first, then body, then soul. This spirit is the part of us that lives forever. When we die, our body goes to the ground, but it's our spirit that lives on with God for all time and eternity. And it's also the part of us that God speaks directly to. This is our spirit. Our soul, on the other hand, is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And it's with our mind that we think. With our will, we have our desires, the things that we want. And our emotions are what we feel. Now, you need to understand that when God created our soul, He created it, and He created it good. There is nothing wrong with our soul in and of itself. God created our soul and whatever God creates is good. Without our uh, soul, we wouldn't feel. And that would be a tragedy. I remember when I first met my then girlfriend who then became my wife, I want to tell you, I felt deeply about this girl. I had all the fireworks. And if you didn't have fireworks when you met the love of your life, uh, you know, you missed out on something. I had fireworks. I mean, I felt lots of great things. And that's a good thing. Nothing wrong with our feelings. Are you with me this morning? I'm just all hooked up here. There we go. With our will... We get what we want, and our emotions is dependent upon how we feel. The problem comes when we are led by or led out of our soul. When we are controlled by our feelings, our thoughts, 
and our will, it leads us into trouble. And I've got to be honest with you, my biggest struggle and your biggest struggle is making sure that we've got the right leader in the right seat. And unfortunately, what I've noticed is that many Christians live out of their soul. They live out of what they think, what they feel, and they live out of what they want to do. It's just, it's just what I want to do. It's just how I think. It's how I feel. And not only do they live out of their soul, but where it gets really confusing is we then add Scripture to how we feel. We don't let the Scriptures guide our lives. We actually let our feelings guide our lives. Then we add a Scripture to justify how we feel. Many Christians live that way. And that's why we're not living the victorious life that Jesus intended us to live. Darius Daniel said this, just because someone is using the Bible, it doesn't mean that God is using them. Your soul might say, I don't want to go to church. That's fine. But you can't be led by that. It could be this one. I, I don't feel like forgiving that person. Well, if you wait till you feel like forgiving someone, you never will forgive anybody. You, you just never will forgive anybody if you wait till you feel like it. I, I hear this a lot uh, when it comes to marriages, particularly marriages that have been going for a little while. And they said, you know, I, I still love her. I'm just not in love with her. And it's just like, wow, it's a classic case of your soul having too much real estate in your life. Are you with me? And so what is the solution to our soul? I'm so glad you asked because that's what we want to look at this morning. So if you would, please turn with me, turn with me one more time to the Scriptures in Romans chapter 4, verse 18. It simply says this, Romans chapter 4, Verse 18, reading from the NIV says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Then without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God but he was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do that which he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. This man, Abraham, lived thousands of years ago. And Abraham had an encounter with God. And what we read in this text, Romans chapter 4, highlight the very thing that I'm talking about and what it takes to find solutions for our soul. I want to look at a few of them this morning and I trust and pray that it will continue to bless each and every one of you and help you not just today, but next week, next month, next year and ongoingly. So when it comes to finding solutions for our soul, the first thing is this, that you need to lead your soul. 
You meaning your spirit. Your spirit has to lead your soul. I've already mentioned that your soul is good. Without our soul, we wouldn't feel. Without our soul, we wouldn't think. Without our soul, we wouldn't be able to decide. Nothing bad in any one of those things. But if you are led by your feelings, if you are led by your desires, if you are led by your emotions, it will not lead you to the plans and the purposes of God. You have to make sure that your spirit has the right place in your being. Abraham said that against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Abraham against all hope. Not too long ago, I shared about faith, hope and love. And I talked about the difference between worldly hope and godly hope. Worldly hope is that wishful thinking. When you like somebody and you say, well, I hope they like me. There's no confidence, there's no conviction that they like you, you just hope they do. That's nothing more than wishful thinking. The trouble is we use the word hope to describe that emotion. But in actual fact, it's not hope at all, it's just wishful thinking. The Bible uses the word hope out of an absolute assurance that comes from an intimate understanding and an intimate knowledge. And so when I ask my girlfriend out, before she was my girlfriend, I did my homework. You see, I'm not stupid I'm not just going to go with wishful thinking. I knew I liked her, but I wasn't sure if she liked me. And so I got my friends to ask her friends the questions. Hey, what does Catherine think of Tony and all this? I did my homework. I'm not stupid. And so I got all the reports back and all the reports were that she was madly and passionately in love with me. Apparently, I don't know. You know, she's only human. It happens anyway. And so by the time I went up to Kath to ask her to be my girlfriend, I didn't have a wishful thought. I wasn't just hoping. I knew like I knew like I knew. And because of the knowledge I had, it gave me hope. And there's a big difference between not having that knowledge and just hoping beyond hope versus having an intimate knowledge based upon the homework you've done to be able to ask with an absolute confidence. And I had a hope. I was was hopeful, not just hopeful in a wishful thinking way, but I had an absolute knowledge because of the homework I'd done that she would say yes. And Abraham is saying that very same thing here. He's saying against all the wishful thinking, Abraham, because of the intimate knowledge he had with God, believed. It came out of an understanding of who he was. The question is, what part of his being believed? I'm telling you this, it wasn't his mind. It wasn't his thoughts and it certainly wasn't his body. It was the real him. It was the spirit man within. It was the one that communed with God that was able to say, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. The interesting thing that we need to understand is, is God, when He speaks to us, the part of our being that He speaks to is our spirit. You've got to get this. God doesn't speak to our soul. God doesn't speak to our body. He speaks to our spirit. He speaks to our spirit through His Spirit. And that's why the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is so vitally important. And we're going to do a series correlating this series or connected with this series at night on the Holy Spirit. Because it's so important that we develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that wants to speak to our spirit. That's why the Bible says flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. So when God wants to speak to us, He doesn't speak to our feelings. He speaks to our spirit. 
He speaks to the real us, the part that's going to live with him for all time and eternity. And that's the part of us that he speaks to. Yes, he can get our attention through our soul. He can get our attention through our body. But primarily, he speaks to us by his spirit to his spirit. And having spoken to our spirit, it's our spirit then that needs to speak to and command and direct our soul and our body. Are you with me today, church? You've got to get this. Too many people listen to their emotions, their thoughts, their feelings, instead of what God is saying to them. You've got to learn to lead your soul. You've got to learn to bring your soul into line with the Word of God. Secondly, you've got to silence your soul. We're talking about finding solutions for our soul. First, you've got to lead your soul. Secondly, you've got to silence your soul. Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. In other words, Abraham's body was screaming at him. It was saying, Abraham, we're too old. We don't have it in us anymore. We can't do it. And it's not just your body, it's your wife's body. We are too old. We can't do it. And when it comes to leading your soul, you've got to know how to silence your soul. You've got to silence all those other voices. I don't feel like going. I don't want to go. You've got to silence all those voices. And sometimes those voices present a very strong case. I mean, Abraham's body at that moment was not lying. The reality is that what Abraham's body was telling him is that we're dead. It's over. We can't do this anymore. What I love in Abraham's response is that he doesn't deny. You know, I I remember when I was a teenager, it was like you weren't allowed to admit weakness or sickness. And so there were Christians going around with snotty noses and and sneezing everywhere and just really under the weather and uh, really not feeling well. And you say, ah, you know, you got a bit of a cold there, mate. And they'd say, no. And they'd say, sorry, I can't even understand you. Just like, what? And I'm like, wow. They just live in denial. And when we live in denial, it's not very attractive to those that we're trying to reach. Because most people know, whether you're a Christian or not, whether someone's got a cold or not. And when we've got a cold and we're denying it because we don't want to you know, minimise our faith... It actually looks ridiculous. And there's a lot of things that have been done in the name of Christianity that are nothing more than ridiculous. But Abraham teaches us an incredible point here. That you don't have to deny the facts. In actual fact, true faith, biblical faith, not blind faith, but biblical faith can face the facts. And Abraham was able to look at his body and say, I know body. I know. We've seen better days. I know we're not at our most virile. I know that it seems a little bit bleak. He wasn't in denial. He was able to face the facts. And yet he did not waver through unbelief because his spirit was in contact with God's spirit and he was able to feed his soul 
and silence the negative voices. And you and I are going to have to do the same. Things might feel like they're falling apart. And we have to be able to say, I just want to tell you something, body. I imagine Abraham's life going something like this. Body, I know, I know. It doesn't look good. It looks a little bit bleak. He may be standing there in front of a mirror and saying, yeah, we're not what we used to be. But then I imagine Abraham's spirit starting to tell his body and starting to tell his soul the conversations that he'd been having with God by his spirit. And say, but I want to tell you, do you remember that night, body, when we got out of the tent and uh, we looked up into the sky? Remember, eyes, what you saw? We saw thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of stars. Do you remember that, body? We saw them. Do you remember remember that? And the body's going, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Well, I want you to know, that night God spoke to me. God told me that those stars represented my offspring. And I want you to remember that. And I remember, I imagine that Abraham now is speaking deep into his soul and deep into his body and bringing alignment and silencing the voices that would try and stop faith rising up. True biblical faith can face the facts. You might be struggling. It may not be where you want to be. Your marriage may not be intact right now. You don't need to deny that. But you need to speak faith into the circumstance and faith into the situation just as Abraham did. And silence your soul. See, before we can speak into our soul, which is my next point, you've got to silence it. You've got to silence the negative voices. You've got to silence the negative attitude. You've got to silence all the turmoil that goes on in the area of our soul so that you can speak clearly into it. In order for us to find solutions to our soul, you've got to lead your soul. And to do that, you've got to silence your soul. You've got to silence all those negative voices. Who do you think you are? That's crazy. Abraham, you're not the man you used to be anymore. It's a crazy dream. But Abraham was able to bring a silence to his soul so that, number three, he could speak to his soul. The Bible tells us that Abraham, before a child was born, gave glory to God. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you're facing right now. But faith is giving glory to God before you get your breakthrough. And we see that Abraham was able to speak to his soul. And he was able to bring his soul into a line with his spirit. We see not only Abraham doing this, but we see many of the heroes of the faith doing it. And David is a classic example. Many of the Psalms you would know start really with a a negative, almost like a whinging tone to it. Like, woe is me and when God and why God and how about this God? But what I love, you'll see with those Psalms, there's an arresting of the soul. And uh, you'll see this quote many times in Scripture. But in Psalm 42 verse 5, David says, Why, my soul, are you so downcast? And why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. 
I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. I don't think we'd be human if we didn't have a whinge from time to time, if we didn't allow circumstances and situations to get the better of us. That's not the problem. It's when they stay the better of us. We have to be like David, that in the middle of our wind, we can just arrest ourselves and say, hey, whoa, 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 just time out, soul. Why are you so downcast? What's your problem? In Psalm 62, verse 5, it says, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. If we don't do this, we're going to be led by our emotions. We're going to be led by our thoughts. We're going to be led by our feelings. And you'll never live the life that God said you could live. How about this one? Psalm 103, one of my favourites. First five verses. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. He repeats it. Praise the Lord, O my soul. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. Just to repeat. It's like, some days it's just easy. Other days it's not so easy. And we say, come on, soul. We're going to praise the Lord. He says, and, and forget not all his benefits. Oh, there's so many benefits that comes with knowing God as our Savior. Yeah. Yeah. He says, here's one. The one who forgives us all of our sins. Let's just have a praise break on that one alone. I mean, some of you here, you've done a lot of sinning in your time and you've just got a lot of gratitude to be had right now. I mean, thank God that he forgives not just some of our sins, but all of our sins. You know, our soul just wants a new car, a new house, a new wife, a new this, a new that, a new the other. I mean, well, well it's quiet, soul. Quiet. Quiet. Hey, so we're going we're gonna to take a praise break and thank God for the many sins that He's forgiven us of. That's what we're going to do, Saul. I know you want a new card. I know you want this. And I know you want that. And I know you want the other. But hang on a minute. We're just going to take some time out here. And we're just going to praise God, oh my soul, and forget not His benefits. He forgives all of our sins. He heals all of our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. He crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies you with desires, with good things, that your youth might be renewed like the wings of the eagles. Oh my soul. Oh, my soul. See, when we talk about having a quiet time with the Lord, it's not as a religious duty that we do that. That thing that we call a quiet time is meant to be a time where our spirit communes with God's spirit. And then our spirit tells our soul and our body what today's going to look like. That's the purpose of it. It's not meant to be a religious duty that is required of every Christian. It's meant to be something that comes out of a dynamic relationship with God by His Spirit to our spirit. And having met with God, then we tell our soul what the day is going to look like. We tell our body what the day is going to look like. We're not going to be dictated to by our feelings and our emotions. We're going to let them know that we've met with God and He's given us a promise and this is how we're going to do life today. I know that you know somebody that may have been burnt out 
by the church. At least that's what they say. But can I just say this, that for every person that has genuinely, truly been burnt out by the church, while that is a tragedy, the greater tragedy is there are far more people sitting in churches doing nothing for fear of burning out because they're listening to their soul. There's no longer that God speak to me. Because when God speaks to us, He speaks about greatness. He speaks about new things. He speaks about great things. He speaks about things that are bigger than you and beyond you. Things that are going to require a dynamic relationship with Him. And we have to allow our soul to minister. Sorry, our spirit to minister to our soul. Otherwise, we're going to be listening to the wrong voices. And yes, I get it. We do have to be careful. And we do have to watch. We don't get too busy. I get that. But I think there's a lot of people say, come on, now's the time. Come on, stop listening to how you feel and how you think. I think about our recent Heart for the House month and it was exciting. And we get excited in our spirit as it connects with something bigger than us and beyond us. And we get excited by that. And we start thinking, man, I'm going to give. But as we think about it, our mind says, whoa, 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 I don't know if we can afford that. Yeah. I don't know if we should do that. And it says, as the weeks go by, we start listening to our soul again. And it's another heart for the house opportunity that we didn't give to and contribute to. Not necessarily because we couldn't afford to it, but we, because we're listening to the wrong voices. Are you with me? Yeah. And so we need to be people that speak to our soul. We need to speak to our soul. You know, I've learned a few things about myself over the years. And one of them is that around four o'clock, I'm no good to anybody. I get up at a fairly early time and, and it's my lull. You know, and so if you want to see me, and if I ever give in and cave in, say, look, yeah, okay, come around at four o'clock, run. Because nothing good comes out of my mouth at four o'clock. I promise you, you will not get a good version of me. You will not get a sanctified version of me. I've just learned the rhythms of mine. And it's amazing what, what I've learned about myself. Not only am I no good to anybody else, but in that time, I can do one of two things. I would either go to the gym or I will sleep. It's just like, what? That, that doesn't make sense. I mean, I don't know about you, but how can you be so tired you want to sleep or have so much energy you want to go to the gym? It doesn't make sense. I get that. And I've gone to God on that very thing. So why is this, Lord? I remember as a young man saying, why do I feel like this? Because God wants to speak to my spirit. See, your soul might pick up on some things, but it's not good interpreting what it picks up on. God will speak to your spirit. And I learned a long time ago, my tiredness that I feel at four o'clock is not a physical tiredness. It's a mental tiredness. It's because a big part of my day is speaking to people, which I love doing, but it can be mentally and emotionally draining. And so if I just listen to my emotions, I'm going to go and sleep because that's what my mind wants to do. It just wants to turn off and it just wants to sleep. But you know what? My body not, doesn't necessarily want to sleep. My body's been sitting down all day. My body wants to do something. And, and so I've learned to actually, by hearing God as he speaks to my spirit, I can now speak to my body. And I've learned that two against one usually wins. 
And so I'll get my spirit and my body picking on my emotions. And I'll say, hey, uh, hey body, what do you want to do right now at four o'clock? I say, I want to get to the gym. I say, well, our emotions are telling us they're too tired. What do you think of that? <laughs> I say, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We are going to pick on our emotions and tell them to get to the gym. And you know what's amazing? I'll be able to do a good workout when I feel most tired because it wasn't a physical tiredness, it was a mental tiredness. And what I was saying, I just couldn't handle a deep conversation, I couldn't handle a person, I just needed to switch off. And when I go to the gym, I can switch off mentally and so my mind is getting what it needs, a rest. My body's getting what it needs, exercise, and my spirit is leading. That's what I'm talking about. And every area of our life needs to be governed by our spirit because it's that God speaking to our spirit that can bring leadership to what our emotions are feeling, what our mind is thinking, and what our will wants to do. We can't afford to be led by those things. Are you with me? And lastly, as the band come up, number four is feed your soul. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be touching more on this. But just like your body needs good food to stay healthy, so your soul needs good food to stay healthy. See, meditation is not just emptying your mind. You know, you've been probably told over the years that meditation is emptying your mind. That's the start of meditation. But to me, true meditation is what you fill it with. It's not just enough to empty your mind. We don't want any more airhead Christians out there. There's enough of them already. We need people that have their minds renewed and filled with the Word of God. You see, what we get from Abraham's story is that his mind was filled with what God was up to. It's an amazing thing to me that it says this, that Abraham was fully persuaded that God had the power to do that which God had promised. His mind was filled not with what he couldn't do, but with what God could do. He was fully persuaded that God could do what God said he would do. Fully persuaded that God would do what God said he would do. There was no doubt. He was fully persuaded that God said what God would do. He was fully persuaded. There's very little of Abraham in that statement. It's all what God was up to. He was fully persuaded that God had the power to do that which God had promised. And the result is that he did not waver through unbelief concerning the promises of God. And this scripture says that this was not just told so that we may talk about Abraham, but it says that what was credited to Abraham was not for Abraham alone, but for you, 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 me, each and every one of us. Abraham's reality can become our reality when we learn to be a people that know how to commune with the Spirit of God with our spirit. And when you've heard from God, then we bring that word to our emotions. We bring that word to our mind. We bring that word to our will. 
and we see a shift and a change taking place. Will you stand with me? Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 